As featured in the November 2023 issue of Men's Health magazine, To Catch a Con Man is the very intimate and detailed true story of exposing one of the most prolific and successful serial con men to operate in the Midwest. A career con man who was able to get away with scamming and stealing in and around the suburbs of Chicago for more than 40 years. What's even more interesting is that he had never been arrested in Illinois for running his scams, some that date as far back as the 1980s. If there is a living devil and evil on this earth, it is him. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of a con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for $100,000. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. So you don't think that this can happen to you? You may think you're too savvy and smart to fall prey to a scammer. You probably think there is no way that this could happen to me. Well, I am here to tell you that this can happen to anyone. I am not a guy that gets conned. Very rarely do I get fooled. Very rarely can someone pull the wool over my eyes. I believe I have a keen sense about people and can smell the stank of sketchiness from at least a hundred feet away. What I am telling you with conviction is that if this can happen to me, this can happen to you. Look around. You're under constant attack from so many bad actors. How many phone calls do you receive and the words possible scam pop up on that call? On any given day, the average American receives three to four of those scam calls. How many fake or malicious emails somehow show up into your email box at home or at work? Emails telling you to click a link with the sole intent of infecting your computer with a virus. Ransomware, phishing attacks, spoofing, all with a single common denominator to extort and steal your money. 3.4 billion malicious emails are sent every day. Each and every day, there is an attempt to compromise your secret information by faceless people. They want to gain access to your wallet, to your bank accounts, and steal all of your money. But what happens when theft isn't just faceless and distant as a call or an email? We all know someone that has fallen prey to a scam or con. Maybe the perpetrator of the crime is someone you know, like a caretaker, an employee, a family member, or a friend that is trying to swindle you. What happens when the victim becomes someone you know? And who is in your community? What happens when you realize you are living next door or working out in the same gym 
as a career con man. What would you do? When you're backed into a corner and the writing is on these walls, those words are taunting you and those walls are closing in on you. You would be amazed at what you are capable of doing and thinking and the lengths that you would go to to get even, to gain your own very personal version of justice. Hypothetically, what if you went in on a deal with a trusted friend, only to figure out it was all an illusion? Would you say nothing, possibly do nothing, and just go on living as if nothing happened? Underneath, you're hiding the angst. You're repressing such rage and anger. Does betrayal in it itself warrant any illicit response? Have you ever wanted to hurt somebody so badly that you were willing to leave your moral compass at home? You are perfectly okay with paying the price for punishment. I can tell you in my heart of hearts, the answer to that question is absolute. If you cross me, if you cross my family, if you try to fuck me or my family over, mark my words and listen very carefully. You will bear the brunt of my fury. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. This is Adam Albin. This is my in-depth and personal story of being conned by Ricky Dugo in the late spring and summer of 2018. To Catch a Con Man will take you on an adventure of exposing Ricky Dugo, one of the most prolific and successful serial con men to operate in the Midwest, specifically targeting victims in Illinois, Missouri, Indiana, and Ohio. A career con man that was able to get away with scamming and stealing in and around the suburbs of Chicago, where I live, for more than 40 years. What's even more interesting is that he had never been arrested in Illinois for running his scams, some that date far back into the 1980s. What differentiates this true crime podcast from others is that I am not only the interviewer and narrator, but I am also a Ricky Dugo scam victim. In the end, we will see who gets the last laugh. I am going to read an email that was sent to me in the summer of 2018, just a few days into my investigation. I will never forget what it said. The subject of this email, you are wrong. It's more than 30 years. When I came across the Facebook page, a sick feeling came over my body. I refused to even say his name. He is a soulless piece of shit. He has been at this game scamming people for over 30 years, since the 1980s. The financial aspect is bad enough, but not even the worst part as far as I'm concerned. The humiliation he put me through is unspeakable. 
But what is even worse is that he scammed not only me, but friends I introduced him to, and even my own family. People lost their jobs, filed bankruptcy, even got divorced because of him. The damage he caused can never be forgotten. You can add me, several family members and friends to this list of victims. General ballpark figure is over $250,000, and this is way before his penchant for boats and social media. If there is a living evil and a devil on this earth, it is him. I'm going to take you back to the spring and summer of 2018. We are in the north shore of Chicago, Illinois, also known as the Northwest Suburbs. We will be moving in and out of the complex memoir of chasing Dugo over a five-year period. There will not be any embellishments or liberties taken by me in telling you this account. I lived it, and I want you to be able to feel like you are immersed and invested into this with me. One item to note is that some of the victims' names may have been changed to protect their identities. Their stories, however, remain true and accurate. There may be those listeners that think that victims who were swindled may be accountable and or even responsible for being taken. There may be those that think being duped into a phony deal with the desire to profit from it is in and itself dirty and or illegal. You may wonder, how does someone like Ricky Dugo get away with this dirty deed for so long? What is white-collar crime, and why is white-collar crime so easy to get away with? You also may be wondering who I am. Very nice to almost meet you. I am Adam Albin. I was born and raised in Buffalo Grove, Illinois, in a modest house on a modest street where your neighbors were your friends. My parents were divorced when I was very young. My ma raised my brother and I with the help of my nana. In the 1990s, I attended and graduated from one of the only high schools that had won the Excellence in Education Award twice, Stevenson High School in Lincolnshire, Illinois. While academia was never really my forte, my family and teachers always believed I was smarter than I led on to be. I just didn't apply myself. And the reason I didn't apply myself is I was more interested in being the social butterfly, having so many different types of friends. I didn't want to subscribe to one particular clique. Instead, I spread out and found the best of what's around in so many various groups. It was a safe place in a safe time in a safe area to grow up. We looked out for each other and we were taught to be respectful and kind to one another. After a wonderful high school experience, I went off to the University of Kansas, starting off as an undecided major in their liberal arts and sciences college. I joined a fraternity and learned brotherhood and made some everlasting friendships. I realized that I could excel if I just put the effort in. 
psychology piqued my interest, and I graduated with a bachelor's in psychology with a minor in acting. I enjoyed learning about the science of the mind and processes and human behavior. It kept me captivated. I am still using what I learned at Kansas today. After graduation, I moved back home to the suburbs of Chicago in the winter of 1997. I spent a month scouring the Chicago Tribune want ads, looking for my first real job. I attended two job fairs, one at McCormick Place and the other at the Rosemont Convention Center. I really had no idea what I wanted to do for a living. My ma had always said that I was destined to be a salesman, basing her opinion on how I was fearless and I could talk to anyone. I set up an interview for a sales account manager position with a technology reseller that had just opened a brand new headquarters in Vernon Hills, Illinois. 25 years later, I am still here working at the only company since I've graduated, selling and building upon long-standing relationships with a subset of clients in the Mountain West. People do business with people they like. I've been successful in my position, and it has always afforded me a very nice, comfortable lifestyle for my family and I. Success is often disguised as hard work. Always listen to your mother. She usually knows best. I would consider myself a very normal, sane, multifaceted individual. Well-rounded is a good way I would describe myself. I've been called confident, funny, selfish, determined, and spontaneous. I'm sure that there are so many more words that others have used to describe me, but I will allow you to form your own opinions. I currently live in Long Grove, Illinois, which is a glorious place to live and raise your family. I love cars and bicycles, rich dark coffee, chocolate, croissants, and anything made with sugar. I grill steaks in the dead of winter when it's negative 10 degrees outside. I try to fix things when they break, usually relying on YouTube to learn how to DIY things. I love Jameson Irish whiskey on the rocks, yet I only drink a few times a month. I am your everyman. I am most grateful, though, for my family. I have two amazing children. My older son attends a small university on Long Island where he is studying journalism, and he also co-hosts a radio sports talk show with his pals. My younger daughter is a two-sport athlete playing volleyball and girls lacrosse for my alma mater, Stevenson High School. They are both honor roll students, and while growing up in today's vastly different world, I am confident both will eclipse my personal and professional accomplishments. My wife is my best friend. We work at the same company. She just celebrated her 30th anniversary here. We also spend the workdays together in a shared home office, our desks and chairs merely a few feet apart. She is the only person I can be around 24 hours a day that I don't need a break from. Corny as it sounds, she is the yin to my yang. She is my northern star, helping me navigate the murky waters of life and right there tossing me a life vest when I fall overboard. 
she must also be a saint. I am not the easiest man to live with. I have my faults. I have my imperfections. I am stubborn and bullheaded, and I think I know a little about a lot. For some reason, she sticks by my side through thick and thin. She sees the good in me and makes me a better man and father. I am thankful to have found her, and I love her more than any string of words can convey. I can only hope that each of you listening find your person. I promise you that they are out there. Throughout this ordeal, now stretching over five years, she has been my rock. Imagine hearing me talk incessantly about Dugo since his deceptions in 2018. I am lucky to have her, and I owe her a debt of gratitude for guiding me through the insanity with a very level-headed approach. Stay the course, Adam. You're doing a good thing, Adam. I'm very proud of you, Adam. She would often give me a hug. One of those where your lover holds you so close and so tight without using words. They tell you that they believe in you and that they love you. Without words, she was reiterating to me that this too shall pass. She always says, karma is a bitch. Honestly, without her words of strength and her alternate view of staying on the right path to find justice, I may have ended up killing Ricky Dugo. I knew too much, and the endless stories of him financially decimating hundreds of people without any remorse or without penalty, it just didn't sit very well with me. If I received a dollar each time a victim told me their story, and then finish with, good luck, nothing good is going to come of this. He will never be caught or punished. I would be a very rich man. Some listeners may be wondering, why would I launch this podcast? Or maybe, why now? Well, for one, doesn't everyone love a good scam or fraud story? Especially when it didn't happen to you. There's an appetite for true crime stories, and for me, it just seemed like the right time to launch this. Additionally, I wanted to get the word spread about Ricky Dugo, specifically with the goal of warning others. Ensure no friends, family, neighbors, or even strangers fall prey to his nefarious deceptions. If this spreads far and wide and goes viral in every sense it has the potential to, we start to learn who and what to look out for. With knowledge comes power, and that power is to educate you so you learn how to protect yourself and others from being victimized. Most important and near and dear to my own experience is this reason. I wanted to give victims a platform for their voices to be heard, to give them a chance to share their own very personal stories in their own words. For some victims, this may be the first time they are talking to anyone outside of immediate family. For many, the statutes of limitations has expired, and that has prevented them from ever getting their day in court to face Ricky Dugo. By sharing this platform with them, their stories have the potential to reach thousands, if not millions of people, good people like you. There is a power in being able to open up and talk about an event in time that was a complete nightmare to live through. 
there is a catharsis that transcends. Just by providing a platform to talk about, victims have the ability to release all of the pent-up rage and to let the humiliation and shame go. Maybe, just maybe, they are finally able to gain closure and not be afraid to talk to others about what he put them through. I can tell you for many of us, he put us through hell. Personally, for me, creating this podcast, timed in conjunction with the Men's Health article that was recently published, it is about garnering enough public interest where people like you want to hear more. And hopefully, I can monetize the rights to this story and find a way to offset some of what I lost. I want to be able to contribute and give back to those victims that have helped me on this journey to catch a con man. So my ask of you, the listener, is a simple one. If you find this podcast to be authentic and real, and one that leaves you wanting to hear more, tell your friends about it. Tell your families about it. Help us spread the word as if it protects just one more person from falling prey to Ricky Dugo. Then we have all done our part to ensure people like him do not get away with it. It's Friday, March 30th, 2018. One of my co-workers happened to live a few houses away from the Dugos in the Greg's Landing neighborhood of Vernon Hills. It's a beautiful master plan community with an assortment of different size houses and townhomes with a wonderful golf course which zigzags throughout it. The co-worker also happened to sit directly across a half-height cubicle wall from my desk in our suburban office building. I asked my cohort if he had seen a for sale sign in front of Ricky Dugo's house. He replied, why? To which I fired back, have you ever given him money for anything? He looks shocked and states, yeah. In December 2017, I gave him $4,000 in an investment to help Dugo on an electronics deal, and that investment would triple in a matter of weeks. He hasn't paid me a single cent of my money back, nor the promised profits. It was like a bomb had gone off in my head. I told my coworker I had been offered that same electronics deal, and I had a bad feeling about it. Rick had started taking my money six days earlier, so there was this potential that now I could ask him to return my money. I would call him out on it and tell him what I had found out. I called Rick from the car at 2.45 p.m. He picks up on the first ring, and I explained that I knew about the deal with his neighbor. I wanted to know why he hadn't paid him back up until this point. It was March, and Dugo had taken his money the previous December of 2017. Dugo nearly blows a gasket. His tone raises, and he is screaming at me for telling others about our special deal. He goes on to say, no one else can know. Do you understand? Am I clear? I am not fucking around here, Adam. If you say anything to anyone at all, the outcome will not be good for you. I take that as a threat and back off of him for now. I am on to you, Ricky Dugo. 
March turns to April. After about a month of being jerked around with bogus text messages and bullshit phone conversations, being told endless excuses and lies, I realized that my deal with Ricky Dugo was no more than a sham. I realized he was stringing me along. I was never going to get the goods Dugo had promised. I would never get my money back. A sick feeling came over me. I couldn't sleep at night. I lost weight. I was stressed out. I couldn't turn my mind off, and I started to fall into a tunnel of darkness and despair. The anxiety and regret had set in. As I know, I had made a supremely poor decision trusting Dugo. I wanted so badly to go back in time and change the events, but that wasn't possible. I struggled in most aspects of my life. I was moody and withdrawn. My career suffered. My family suffered. Most of all, I was embarrassed and ashamed. My mind kept racing, keeping me up at night. I start to plan about how I could get my retribution. At the time, early summer of 2018, Ricky Dugo was an internet ghost. He had no social media footprint. He didn't have an active Facebook page. He didn't possess an Instagram account. It was as if any public record of him was removed and wiped clean from the internet. I was stumped. One of my wife's favorite sayings is, Google it. You know, to find immediate answers to things you do not know. I googled his name and then tried to find any information on paid searches that provide public records information. Outside of old databases, old addresses, possible associates, aliases, family members, nothing was in his name. That struck me as odd. Who doesn't have a credit card, a car payment, or a mortgage in today's day and age? And why does he have a few aliases? Multiple search sources mention Ricky Dugo is also known as Rick or Ricky Schulte, Rick or Ricky Mazzetti, Rick or Ricky Ferrari, Rick or Ricky Isleb. Apparently, he legally changed his name in 2005 from Ricky Schulte to the very Italian surname, Ricky Dugo. There was virtually no record of his name or persona that existed outside of a single PDF memorandum and opinion of an older court case from 2012. This court case documented a very expensive 46-foot cigarette boat, originally named Total Confusion, which mysteriously disappeared, and when the insurance company was disputing the coverage and claim, Ricky Dugo was named as a business partner and partial owner of said missing $491,000 cigarette boat. Yet the mortgage was not in Dugo's name. How does a 46-foot offshore cigarette boat just vanish without a trace? Well, that's a story for another day. On May 29, 2018, a Google alert came into my coworker's personal email box. It was a link 
to a now defunct public shaming site called thedirty.com. Someone had posted, don't get ripped off by Ricky Dugo. The post went on to tell details of a tattoo artist from the Lake of the Ozarks, Russell James, who tattooed a religious passage on Dugo's arm. Dugo allegedly pitched one of his cons to the tattoo artist and others in the tattoo shop, and they were trying to warn others that Dugo stole their hard-earned money on a phony deal for TVs. I came to find out years later that the original message was hijacked from Russell James' Facebook profile page. The post was dated around July 10th of 2017, and that it was taken down two days after it went live. In just two days, Russell posts the following message on his Facebook page. After two days of this being posted, I have had over 18 people message me that have also been scammed by Rick and adding up to a total of $2,043,500. Over $2 million scammed by this guy. What the fuck? And to answer people's questions, yes, I have police reports filed. Yes, I have an attorney. And yes, the Attorney General of Missouri is also involved. Thank you all for the shares and comments and support during this embarrassing life mistake I have made. Sadly, Russell James was shot and killed on May 11, 2018, while driving his BMW sports car. It has always been a mystery to me on who the actual author of this repost was. In the years that have followed, I found out that it was published by one of Rick's former best friends, a friend whom Rick Dugo had eventually conned money from before he scammed me. I guess what goes around comes around. Ricky Dugo popped up into my world around 2009-2010. He supposedly had moved into the northwestern suburbs of Illinois and had found out that a few of his old buddies from the 1990s were working out at a local big box gym in Libertyville, Illinois. Well, as you can guess, I had been a member at this gym since 2007. Dugo was a very colorful character. He was loud and outgoing in a way to attract others' attention. He made new gym buddies fast, moving from one gym crew to another. He made sure to befriend a few police officers at the gym, and eventually these cops became close to Rick, and they were his workout partners, meeting him there at the gym on most days. He had a different car for each day of the week. Rick would wait patiently for the first spot closest to the gym to open up so he could park his ride of the day in a way for everyone to notice. He came well-dressed to the gym. He wore Under Armour and Nike, had a different pair of Air Jordans or Nike Air Maxes each day. Dugo was always tan, no matter the season. His hair always jet black with a fresh cut. 
Occasionally, he wore one of those flat bill baseball caps in what I believe was an attempt to make him seem younger than his age. Personally, I believe he was super lazy in his workout regimen, using most of his time to shoot the shit and tell wild and crazy stories to his workout buddies and those that became Dugo wannabes. He supplemented with a hardcore and proven concoction of anabolic steroids and synthetic substances that afforded him a quick and effective way to build his upper body with nearly zero gym effort. I remember thinking, man, that dude must be taking everything but the kitchen sink, as I've never witnessed him throwing around the heavy weights or pushing himself like you would need to in order to gain those results. He made sure everybody knew his name. He was just that larger-than-life personality. His style, his giant build, his consummate tan, his stable of cars, his outrageous stories made him a legend at the gym. People were enamored by Dugo. He had perfected the facade of being super successful. Pair that with being an extreme extrovert and people person. He was the guy everyone wanted to meet and get to know, me included. By the time I was introduced to Ricky Dugo, I had already heard the rumors of his business successes, and actually, I knew that he had a passion for cars and motorcycles and even owned a huge offshore cigarette boat. The day he moved into the Greg's Landing house, he pulled up driving a F-350 Super Duty Dually with his 46-foot cigarette boat in tow in an attempt to show and tell his neighborhood that someone from money was moving in. All of this was scripted to perfection, deliberately drawing attention to him and his family as a way to say, look, we've arrived. Shortly after being introduced to Rick in 2010, I engaged him in a conversation and asked him what he did for a living. He boasted about owning six car washes in downtown Chicago, where he made over $600,000 a year and was now just gliding through life with tons of money and feeding his need for super expensive new toys. As shocked as I was that he told me how well he did, I remember leaving the gym that day envious that he did so well. Hearing $600,000 a year made me feel like I wasn't in the same financial orbit as he was, and that was odd for me, as I have always done extremely well in my own career. I digress. Let's get back to May 29th, 2018. I send a message to my buddy from Export that introduced me to Rick in 2010. The message I sent said, Hey buddy, I need to talk to you. It's pretty embarrassing. Can I call you? He replied immediately to call him. I am nervous. My hands are shaky. I call his cell and say, hey, thank you for taking the time. I don't know where to go with this, but I needed to ask you about your buddy Rick Dugo. 
He stops me in the middle of my sentence and says, oh, fuck. You are the third person this week to ask me about Dugo. Please, please tell me you didn't give him any money. I blurt out, I did. He has $18,700 of my money. He says, Adam, I am so sorry this happened to you. I had to cut off ties with him because he was scamming all of my friends and mutual connections I introduced him to. You need to take down this name and phone number. You need to call a guy named Brad. He owns a roofing company, and I think Dugo got him for a bunch of money. Maybe you guys can talk and go to the police or something. He says he will continue to ask around and see who knows what and get back to me. I end the conversation with, thank you for doing that for me. I need you to know I am not going to let him get away with this, and I am going after him one way or another. I am raging and out of my mind. In that moment, I couldn't hold the emotions that came over me. I tell him I'm either going to the police or I'm going to beat the living shit out of him. One way or another, I am going to get my justice. Don't do anything stupid, Adam. He isn't worth it, he says. Don't think that when you are backed into a corner, you aren't capable of doing something so evil and life-changing. Your mind starts to play tricks on you as your insides swiftly fill with fury. I was enraged to the point where the lines of what was right and what was wrong started to blur. Vengeance is all I think about. I want to fucking bury him in my backyard. No one fucks Adam Albin over. No one is going to steal my money and get away with it. I want immediate justice, no matter the consequence. All I'm thinking right now is how I'm going to find the motherfucker and smash a baseball bat across his fucking Botox face. I need to breathe. I need to focus. And I need to make that call to Brad. I step outside of my office building and start to pace around the parking lot as I dial his number. I'm shaking, almost in a state of shock. You know that feeling like you are having an out-of-body experience and you aren't actually living in that exact moment. I remember the conversation like it was yesterday. Hey Brad, this is Adam Albin. I received your information from a friend we share. I believe we have a mutual acquaintance that has fucked us both over. Ricky Dugo? Brad goes on to tell me how in 2015, Dugo had conned him out of $28,000 using the identical cash for electronics scam he pitched to me. Says Dugo is still calling him and texting him three years later with excuses and promises to get his money back. I asked Brad if he is willing to go to the authorities with me, and he said 100% he would go to the police and provide them whatever information they needed to help if we could get a case created. May 29th, 2018 was a day I will never forget. Before being showed the shaming site, thedirty.com, 
I only knew for certain that my coworker and I had been taken by Rick. By the time I was heading home, I had read that a group from the Lake of the Ozarks was taken for over $2 million. I had a verbal conversation with Brad, who was local and, like me, is living in Lake County, Illinois, for another $28,000. It is one thing to think you are being scammed as you hold on to any small shred of hope. You don't want to admit what's been done to you, nor do you want to believe your hard-earned money is gone. You think, surely, this guy I see every day at the gym, who oozes success and is tripping in money, would never fuck me over. Why would he want to do this to me? What the fuck did I ever do to him? Why would he create such an elaborate deception? Who does that? And remember, I have a keen sense about people in general. At least I thought I did. How did I not fucking see this? It's quite another thing to know you have been victimized by a scammer. That someone conned you for your money and that you have been played. Game, set, match, over. Knowing with validation from others whom are also real people, who lost their own hard-earned money in the exact same way, well, that was the straw that broke this camel's back. I was out for blood. I was ready to fight. I would stop at nothing in order to get some form of justice. I needed to take a moment and think carefully about my next moves. And that is what I did. Thank you for listening to the introductory episode of our story. If you are captivated by this story, please tell your friends and family about it and help us spread the word. Knowledge is power, and we have an opportunity to protect additional people from falling prey to the Ricky Dugos of the world. On the next episode of To Catch a Con Man, we will continue to take you on an adventure. We'll go on the offensive as a plan to expose Ricky Dugo's nefarious ways comes together, shrouded in secrecy and cloaked in anonymity.